Hey folks, I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This is the second part of our two parts discussing mangroves and their importance along Florida's coasts. Now, I'll be honest with you, this was originally going to be one episode, but as I was putting it together, I realized there's just so much about the mangroves that you have to understand what a mangrove is and what they can do for us, because that is what this episode is all about. We shouldn't think of things in nature as value to human beings, but mangroves have such an important impact on our ecosystem and have potentially a huge place in our future and our survival on this planet. The mangroves have a massive impact. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go back and give that a listen to understand even more about mangrove ecology. But if you didn't listen to that episode and you want to listen to this one first for whatever reason, I'm going to give you a brief breakdown of, of what you need to understand about mangroves. The most important thing you need to understand other than what they look like. You have seen a mangrove if you've been along Florida's coast. They're those long trees with the spindly legs, the roots that stretch out over the ground. If you haven't seen a mangrove by any chance, look them up. They're beautiful and unique and unlike any other tree that you've ever seen. But what mangroves do is they can build up the land underneath them with these long stretching roots and the importance of what they can do with that land that they build up. We're going to talk a little bit about today, but their ecology, the way that they grow is based around something called a propagule. Think of how trees have seeds. You know how like a pine tree has a pine cone that drops off. That's their seed. Well, with mangroves, the way that they reproduce are through these little propagules, these little green cigar looking things that fall off and drift along the water and when they find a good place for them to take root they grow from wherever those propagules land my guest for these two episodes dr loray simpson informed me that that these little propagules are actually alive when they drop off of the tree that's amazing and unique but where they go where they wind up is what this episode is all about because the growth of mangroves, where they wind up, how they wind up where they do, and what they can do once they arrive is what we are here to discuss because they are having and will continue to have a huge impact on the survival of our coasts and the survival of us as a species. This is Mangroves, part two. I'll take you back to where we were last week on the Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge with Dr. Loray Simpson. Last we were talking, we were talking about weather and how the weather can impact the growth and movement of mangroves. We're not having hard freezes like we used to. Mm -hmm. And what is happening is mangroves, they'll come, they'll take hold, kind of like we saw that little tiny one mm -hmm. around the corner. And if you don't have a hard freeze that comes in to kill it, especially when it's young, it's going to get big. Right. And once it gets big, it's going to be harder to kill. And one of the things that we're noting is that not only are we seeing this decrease in freezing temperatures that's mm -hmm. allowing them to survive, but these more extreme hurricanes that we're having mm -hmm. is allowing all the propagules that can float for a long period of time to be moved all over the state. So they'll get flushed out of inlets uh -huh. and they'll make it into other inlets and then they'll get pushed really far back into salt marshes and those um, storm surges and high tides and then they get dropped back there and they can do really well by mm. outcompeting the salt marsh plant and so they'll outcompete the salt marsh and then they're having their babies they drop their babies right next to it mm. and then they grow and then it's just kind of this 
zone of inhibition that keeps happening. So you're telling me that there are total, this may be a huge leap to make and maybe a too big of a statement, but like there's too many of them. They're going into places they shouldn't be. No, we like them there. We want them to be propagating, <laughs> even though it's because of the climate change that's warming the waters. Yeah. Now, here is the part where Lorraine completely schools me. Yes, climate change is making water warmer, and that is bad for other ecosystems and plants. But for mangroves, the repercussions of climate change are allowing them to grow in new places and have positive effects on the ecosystem around them. So there's different schools of thought, right? Right. So a lot of people don't like mangroves. There's a lot of regulations to, in terms of trimming them and whatnot. And fishermen, you know, especially up north, they prefer to fish in salt marsh and not in mangroves. Mm. Um, but when it comes down to it, both of salt marsh and mangroves, they perform a lot of the same ecosystem services. Mm. They might do it in uh, different magnitudes, but they're doing the same exact thing. So by swapping one for another, it's not necessarily hurting. Um, you just might see maybe a different uh, crab species in the area. Hmm. Um, maybe a different bird is going to utilize it. And so I think Mother Nature does a really good job at um, finding balance when things, especially in a situation like this, it's been a slow progression. Hmm. Um, so one isn't necessarily worse. Worse or other. better. Yeah. We're seeing it. It's, it's more of an adaptation, so to speak, like the, that the mangroves are in this new place because of a change in the climate and they are... I keep using the word propagate because this is a good word, yeah. but they're propagating and they're developing in an area that they maybe haven't been, but they're doing the same function as another plant mm -hmm. in their own way. Right. So we're not seeing any negative impact from that? No. And then there's also, you know, like, like just look at them right now. Like right. Essentially standing right in front of one. So, and look at, we'll say this is the salt marsh grass, even though it's not. This tree is going to do a much better job at protecting the coast if a big storm surge comes in and a lot of waves and wind than that grass is. That right. grass, grass is, is going to like blow right over. Over the water is just going to go right over the top. But this is, I think there's some been some research that shows that mangroves will attenuate like 90% of wave energy within one meter. You've probably seen this graphic, and there are literally countless studies on this. But in locations where mangroves are highly present along shorelines, you'll see waves get smaller as they get filtered through the root system of mangroves. Mangroves, as you know, have those tall roots that weave like fingers down into the muck. And when high waves hit them, those waves get broken up by the roots and severely decrease in size, which is good for protecting land from erosion, preventing flooding, and keeping our communities safe. All vitally important things that we need as hurricanes become more and more intense, as the oceans become more and more hot presentation by the University of Cambridge, the Nature Conservancy, and Wetlands International says, quote, during rising tides as the sea comes in, waves enter the mangrove forests. They lose energy as they pass through the tangled above-ground roots and branches, and their height is rapidly diminished by between 13 and 66 percent over 100 meters of mangroves, end quote. That is outstanding. They are natural wave killers. LeRae is saying that salt marsh grass can usually inhabit the same areas that mangroves inhabit, but they don't do anything to break up the waves. So the mangroves are proving more valuable to our ecosystem in that way. 
And on top of that, the World Wildlife Foundation notes that mangroves could also have a positive impact on our carbon problem. Quote, the muddy soil that mangroves live in is extremely carbon rich, and over time the mangroves help to not only add to this store of soil by capturing sediment, but hold it and the carbon in place. End quote. In a time where excess carbon is having a negative impact on our climate, mangroves are just gathering up carbon and holding it in one place. They call it carbon sequestration, as in sequester, carbon sequestration. You hear world leaders say it all the time, we're trying to reduce carbon emissions. Well, guess what helps reduce carbon emissions? Mangroves. No kidding. This leads me to ask Lorea a question, and the path we go down is very, very interesting. They are adapting to climate change, kind of. Like climate change is changing the way that these mangroves are functioning within our ecosystem. Um, it's changing the way the ecosystem is functioning. With them. Yes. And so, you know, we have mangroves moving north because it's getting warmer. Right. Okay. We're swapping out one system for another. Okay. They're still essentially doing the same things, but in terms of humans still inhabiting these coastal margins where we really want to live, it's probably better to have a mangrove in front of your house than to have a salt marsh in front of wow. your house. And so as they're moving and everyone is you know, getting a little upset about it, you know, just remember that this is a tree. This is a woody tree mm. that is acting to protect not only, you know, this beautiful uh, nature preserve where we are, but also someone's house along the intercoastal right. or... The ecosystem is not being changed by the mangrove's presence. The ecosystem is changing with the mangrove's presence. I spend so much time talking about how environmental changes like plants and animals being in places they aren't supposed to be or, or aren't usually, it can be so dangerous it can have such a negative impact but right now the mangroves are changing our ecosystems the ecosystems that they are finding themselves into in a way that may be our biggest defense against the big problems that are ahead of us concerning this climate emergency and we know how mangroves are changing because they tell us now, I keep saying that they're in places that they aren't supposed to be. That, that's not exactly correct. They're going to places that we haven't known them to be, but they may have been in the past. But the fact that they're going to this new place means that something is happening in the natural movements of our mangroves that can tell us a lot about them and can have very positive impacts. And we can learn a lot about those mangroves because we can track where they are growing and when through the weather. And that is how we got here in the first place. So, I mean, to get to the thing that's always most been curious to me about mangroves is they have a, a nickname as the walking tree. Mm -hmm. what, 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 what does that mean? Yeah. What, what are we talking about yeah. when we say that they're the walking tree? What, 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 so what biologically is happening? That is talking about the red mangrove. Okay. So those big red prop roots. Right. What they do is the red prop roots are a way to anchor the tree in place. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's them hedging their bets because they know they live in kind of a, um, a rough area mm. right along the coast, a lot of wind, waves. And so if they have as many anchoring points as possible, they'll do much better. And so they'll drop a root and then that root will produce another root that will drop farther and then that one will go farther. And that will pull the trunk in a way or so it just trunk, expands? It just expands. And so wow. as that's expanding, then, you know, 
the leaves above it will start to move over more because there's more protection for it. And so over time, you'll see them kind Got of it. walk. So, and as they do that, as they have all those roots, now you have all that sediment that could be stabilized in there. Mm. And now you're actually creating land. So they're right. They're wow. walking and making more land for them. And then another propagable land in there, another tree will grow and you have an island. And so you can kind of, we were kind of noting that earlier when you're looking at those white mangroves mm -hmm. and how it was like that little tuft. Well, that little tuft will become a bigger tuft. Because the roots are literally just like stabilizing the ground beneath it mm -hmm. and making it more of a, a contiguous mass yeah. kind of thing. So that's, a, that's unbelievable, yes. But what I also think is fascinating is that you're talking about them walking in the fact that they are, their roots are, I'm, I'm, I'm imitating it, they're mm -hmm. stretching themselves out, but also, before we started recording, we were talking about the mangroves moving? In the propagules, through propagules. So here's the segment of the podcast where I get to sound very dumb. For some reason, I fundamentally misunderstood the nature of the term walking mangroves, the walking trees. I, I literally, and this is not a joke, thought that the mangroves were like moving, like the tree was using its root to truck itself somewhere else. I don't know. Stranger things have happened in nature. Nature just does weird stuff. So I thought maybe trees just straight up boogie to another location in order to be in an ecosystem that is more sustainable to them or one that they like more. The answer, I'll tell you now, is no. That That is not what they do. That is not what walking tree means. I tell Lorray this. It's very funny. She apologizes as if she did something wrong. No. All me. Totally misunderstood. What they do do is they drop their seeds, the propagules, and then those propagules will move to a new location to grow. Where they go is important. They're, they're not walking or crawling around like for some reason I thought. Their seeds are just going in different places. So the mangroves, where the mangroves are on the coast of Florida is changing and migrating. So you said there was a there was a mangrove that probably was near Fernandino Beach in 1838 mm. and right okay what, what, tell me what that means tell, so talk, talk going, to me about that that's going back to the story about mangroves migrating right due to their propagules getting back in those you know areas that they we haven't seen them before mm -hmm. and then a freeze took place right and it died and then here we are again these propagules will make it back and then so that. When we talk about migration, it's not that a tree is actually like walking up the coast. Uh -huh. It's the propagules that are walking up the coast. Right. They're making their way through the water into areas that they haven't been previously. So the freeze, when we're talking about the cold water, how is that affecting where the propagules go? Does that make sense? Yes. So propagules, they are dropping into the water um, between like August through December at the absolute latest. Mm. So those propagules are aligning essentially with hurricane season. Yeah, sure, yeah. The freezes are coming later. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have a freeze for that year, let's say, and those propagules are moved into an area because of a hurricane, if you can give it one year to grow mm. and it doesn't freeze, it will probably survive the next year because you know it's just that incremental succession. Right. Especially if they're hidden under some salt marsh somewhere, it's a little bit warmer, mm. it's kind of buffering. And so it's just kind of this beautiful story that we were talking about earlier, mm. science. If you just you know tweak one little thing and then it allows it to grow or it doesn't allow it to grow. And right. so it's just, 
it's kind of a a beautiful match up of timing in terms of the hurricanes and freezes or the lack of freezes. Right. So propagules can go to new places because these bigger hurricane surges from warmer oceans from climate change are causing propagules to go to areas where they weren't normally. And as long as nothing freezes them, the propagule grows in an area where maybe a mangrove hasn't been and maybe it needs to be. And we can track how mangroves have been moving over the last several centuries and see how things have been changing thanks to one particular industry keeping an eye on the weather in Florida. That industry is the citrus industry. So how does that connect to how we started talking about this with the Great Freeze? How, 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 how did those things connect in your mind in, in the way that those stories are similar? So when I heard your podcast about the Great Freeze, one of the things that we were always trying to figure out is like right now we're seeing mangroves migrate. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. We've never seen this before. I was like, but wait, maybe we have. And Dr. Candy Feller, she decided that the one way that we would get to the bottom of this was to first and foremost, figure out when all of these freeze events happened mm -hmm. and who took the best notes on freeze events but was the citrus industry right especially here in florida right like that was like their economy they took meticulous notes and so she pulled those it was like oh these are some of the impact freezes which an impact freeze essentially in the citrus industry means that that's when all of the citrus died mm. and i don't remember how many there were maybe 13 in the time period mm. that she was looking at and so you take that impact freeze data and then you start to look in old journals and um, old maps and books. And those impact freezes were matching up perfectly with when people were seeing mangroves and when they weren't. So it was like this environmental detective work and that as a scientist, it was really like um, eye-opening to remember to like look outside of your own job or mm. your own profession because the answer is there. Someone else has it, but you just haven't put those two things together. Right. It wasn't recorded as environmental data, so to speak. It was recorded as business data exactly. for an entire industry. Exactly. It just so happens that that industry, like I'm, I'm imagining it like laying, laying over each other, like these two maps mm -hmm. of the citrus industry's failings and the freeze with the mangroves, you know, relationship with the cold weather mapping on top of each other and going, ah, those things connect. <laughs> Look. Look, that's so interesting. And another thing that came out of that too, thinking about other economies is honey. Mm. Black mangroves produce honey or what? can, yes. What? And that was a huge industry here. Mangrove honey? Yeah, and you can actually still find it. What? If you go to a farmer's market, just ask and sometimes they'll have okay. it. Okay, well that's gonna be, mm -hmm. that's gonna be a part of the episode. <laughs> yes. I have to find mangrove honey. Yes. That's, yes. oh my God, that's so weird. Okay. Tune in on Friday. We're gonna eat some mangrove honey on a bonus episode. And so if you go back and look in like the honey records, right. you're like, well, we just lost that whole crop of mangrove honey because all mm. the mangroves are dead. You're like, oh, what year is that? Oh, look, it's the same year as the impact freeze from the citrus. So because we have that information, we're able to track things like, okay, that that freeze happens now. So that like generation of mangroves don't do, don't, don't grow. Right. But then there wasn't a freeze the next winter, winter season. And then that mangrove, we can go, okay, so that mangrove grew then because we think that that is this many years old and such and such sort allows us to create a timeline mm -hmm. of the generations of mangroves around the state. Yeah. And you have to also couple it with hurricanes too. Right. Because other, you can have all the mangroves die one year, but they're not gonna come back. You're not gonna see them show up again until there's been a huge hurricane in Florida that was allowing propagules from down south 
to make their way here. Okay, so it's three factors. It's mm -hmm. that freeze, it's the propagules, and it's the hurricanes that are moving the propagules. Mm -hmm. And they just float, right, yep. these little guys? Mm -hmm. That's astounding. I and mean, that's... As we mentioned earlier, the red mangroves can float for up to a year and right. still be fine and grow. Black, man or, yeah, black mangroves can be up to three months. And so if you can imagine a hurricane comes through, these guys are just floating around. They're coming in inlets. You know, a lot of them are going to get stranded on the beach and die. But all you need is one to make it to an area and give it the time to grow. So all these factors have an impact. They cause the mangroves to move to new places. The hurricane waves, the lack of freezes, they are allowing these generations to change the ecosystems around them. And because mangroves grow relatively slowly, we don't know what impacts we will be seeing from mangroves until years from now, but we have this weather information of hurricanes and freezes to track the generations. And we can just compare and contrast, go, okay, that tree started growing at this time and that was when these weather conditions were in place. It's fascinating. You can create a timeline, like a, like a family tree of the mangroves. It, it kind of reminds me of how white blood cells work in a human body. They rush to areas that, that need help. And somehow, it kind of feels like the mangroves are the white blood cells of Florida. You keep saying coming from down south. Mm -hmm. Is that where a lot of these propagules are coming from? Is they're coming from further south of even here, like south like Everglades, and then they're drifting up the coasts to propagate along here and on the west coast and even up in Fernandina Beach. And, and you even mentioned uh, that island with all the horses in Georgia. Cumberland, Cumberland, yeah. yes. We haven't seen them there yet, but I know that they're there. Okay. <laughs> I know they're there. <laughs> they're somewhere. They're hidden. They're small. They're those the little guys. Yeah, we had a collaborator actually do some genetics on mangrove propagules, um, I think after Hurricane Irma. Mm -hmm. And what he did was he just collected propagules um, off the beach yeah. after the hurricane and sequenced them. And he, was, he found that there was a propagule or a subset of propagules that came from Cedar Key. All, all the way, the way around. around and then came in Ponce Inlet. That's extraordinarily far yeah. because you have to get, how, how did they get through the Everglades? How did they get around? You know, how did it go through that intense watery region? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. There was a lot of movement from the Fort Pierce area up to the Ponce Inlet area too. So the end goal of this research is just to be able to track that history, to be able to create that timeline of these, this, I keep saying generation because that, that is clicking for my history brain. Like it's generations of these mangroves that start from that area or in, in wherever they are, they survive a freeze mm -hmm. and then the hurricane season blows them to wherever they go. And then depending if it's a white mangrove, black mangrove, red mangrove, they can sustain in the water for a little while. And then you see them plant mm -hmm. and remain where they are. Mm -hmm. That's astounding. I mean, beautiful? that's amazing. That's so cool. And then on top of that, you've got the fact that climate change is putting them in places that they weren't before at least in our mind's eye right right so right. there ha there is a lot of documented literature and history that shows them being in fernandina beach and mm. being in saint augustine um but just not within the last third well more than that but now they are but now they're there yes wow yeah it took me a second. It like took me a second to walk through all of those factors in order to complete the whole story. Because when I hear walking tree and then you hear that they're moving, your brain is going, 
Are they moving? You're right. Are they actually stuck. moving? No, no, no. Yeah. You don't yeah. need to apologize. Yeah. It's my brain coming up with a fantastical thing <laughs> and thinking that the trees are taking big actually steps, like the Ents the from yeah. from Lord of the Rings, like yeah. taking big old steps, slow <laughs> over generations. They're yeah. taking big steps, but it's that the it's that the the presence of mangroves is moving, moving. in a way yes. that they haven't in who knows how long that right. we don't know how long. That's amazing. And they're 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 doing that. They're moving through that propagule that we talked about. I don't know about you, but the movement of these mangroves, the way that they manifest and can affect the terrain of a coastline and all these positives that come from their presence, it's just it just makes me even fonder of this weird alien tree. They are our protectors in many ways, a fortress wall and a damn beautiful one at that. Lorraine and I keep walking and chatting, swapping stories about the places we visited and the ones we've loved the most. Eventually, we spot some more mangroves. So these are white mangroves here yeah. on the oh, left. You got it. And on the other side as well? Yeah, there's a lot. Those of guys there. are tall. Kind of tall, spindly little things. Well, is it is it common for you to see and I'm and I'm, I'm I, this may be a dumb question, but I like asking dumb questions. Never is it common to see big groups of mangroves like this all at the same height? Ooh, yeah. Like these are all at the same height. They're maybe 8 or 9 feet, maybe even higher because the water, so they're probably like 10 or 11 feet tall. But they're all this, all of them the same height for like a good, how far is that? I mean, yeah, that's... Can you, can you imagine why they would all be around the same height? Because, was okay, so they all started growing at the same time. Would that mean they came from the same plant? Like they're propagules from the same plant or they came from the same region? They came, they just flushed in at the same time. There, wow. There could be like a mama tree that was down the way or something happened on this canal that just so, flushed them all in there. So would it be a safe assumption or, you know, we'd need more data to back this up, but would it be a safe assumption to say that these are all, not many of them are related to each other? Like this is a group of propagules or several groups of propagules that came from the same tree that all drifted from a certain mangrove and then planted themselves here? Yeah. That is a safe assumption? That's a safe assumption, yep. Wow. There's a area in, um, just south of here, Pine Island, and... Mm -hmm. You can walk out, it's kind of the far reaches, and there is some red, or no, white mangroves, and they're all tall. Let's say they're 10 meters. Yeah. And then below that, there's another subset that is like seven meters. Wow. And then in front of that, there's another one that is four meters. And so you can almost see the progression of when these certain like events brought oh my, all of Oh, the... sure. So it's like this little step system mm -hmm. of, wow. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Shortly after we have this conversation, Lorraine and I realize that we have gotten somehow hopelessly lost on a loop trail, something you shouldn't be able to do by going too far in one direction and then realizing we had to go back. So we heel turn and start walking back to the cars. We pass by an area we might have not noticed before, an area where there was some burning. Clearly some mangroves were part of that burning. We suspect it was a controlled burn, maybe by managers in the area, but it leads us back to a conversation we kept having that some people don't like mangroves. They think they're too dense or unsightly or unhelpful or even ecologically dangerous because they're replacing the grass that we were talking about earlier. But that is more complicated than just mangroves are bad. So that is, those are burned mangroves? Probably. Wow. Huh, why would they burn mangroves of all things? Because they get dry? That idea again that we don't want mangroves here, it's supposed to be salt marsh and uh. we're changing. And so I think we've slowly been moving away from that. But yeah. There's some holdovers and 
you know, just like prescribed burning in general, you know, back in the day, we can't burn, we can't burn, that's terrible. And now it was like, wait, actually, it's really good for the environment. And that's something I keep coming across in the process of learning more about conservation for this show. Our perceptions of what is proper conservation keeps changing. Aldo Leopold, the father of American conservation, said, quote, conservation is a state of harmony between men and land, end quote. And in a time where our climate emergency is rewriting the rules every day, that harmony might need to change its tune. The land is changing and it's adapting to what is changing around it. We as humans need to harmonize. We need to get in key. The old answers aren't the new ones. And even though mangroves are building their fortresses in areas that they haven't been in the last couple generations, they just might be the new answer that Florida's increasingly threatened coastlines are looking for. Maybe the earth knows what it's doing. Maybe the mangroves are here to save us from ourselves. Lorraine and I chat as noontime approaches and we part ways, having swapped adventurous tales and life advice, which I greatly appreciated. We had a great chat, and we promise to meet again soon. You'll definitely hear from Lorraine again, because whatever Lorraine wants to teach me, I'm glad to listen. Especially because I'll be around mangroves very soon, wandering the green byways of Sanibel Island as I do every July nowadays. When I do, I'll be keeping an extra special eye out for the green cigar-like propagules that drift along the water. I know now, as I didn't before, that those living seeds are on a quest. If everything goes well, that little propagule floating on the water just might save the world. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm so glad that you stuck around for a second episode about mangroves. It, it really means a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It means the world to me, and it helps the show reach people who it hasn't reached yet. If you want to hear more from Dr. Larray Simpson, go back and listen to our episode about the manatees from late last year with Max Chesnus, the journalist from the TC Palm. That is an incredibly important episode, and you get to meet Larray for the first time, as I did on that day while I was recording. So go listen to that episode. It is fantastic. Thank you to Dr. Larray Simpson for all of her help. If you want to learn more about her work, check out the Florida Oceanographic Society. I'll include a link to their website in the episode description. Go check them out. They are doing really important stuff. And Dr. Larray Simpson is just the best. So much fun to chat with. Go follow her on social media. And stay tuned because you will hear from Larray soon, hopefully, to hear more from her work and, and just have more wonderful chats with her. It wasn't all included in the episode, but Lorraine and I talked for a very, very long time about our lives, about the podcast, about our love of Florida's nature and history. So Lorraine and I just have so much in common and, and you'll definitely hear more chats with us very, very soon. I love getting to talk about plants and nature because as much as I love animals and birds, I, I'm schooling myself on plants and I'm so grateful to have people like Dr. Lorraine Simpson to help me on that path. You can also find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WFM Pod. You're definitely going to want to get on the Instagram of WFM Pod very soon because 
a little bit under a week from today, I will be going to Sanibel, Florida. And as I did last year, I will be making a ton of posts. I'll be making reels. I'll be posting stuff on my story. So if you want to see what I consider to be my favorite spot in Florida, Sanibel Island, come with me next week. Follow the show on Instagram. There's going to be so many posts. I might put out an episode from recordings that I make while I'm there. So stay tuned. I really, really love Sanibel and I really love getting to share it with you guys live. So if you want to come with me to Sanibel Island, stay tuned to the WFM pod Instagram. I'll be posting a ton there starting this upcoming Saturday. All right, folks, that is it for me. There will be an episode next Monday that I cannot wait for you to hear. It's all about a camping trip that I took to the Kissimmee Prairie Preserve. It was such an amazing time. You're going to get to meet some friends of mine, and we're going to talk about the beautiful things that happen when there is no light in the sky. Until then, I'm Nick D'Alessandro. Be good to yourself. Be good to others. And please, as always, drink more water. See you next Monday. Have a great week.